Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome back. Happy Wednesday and I'm so excited to share this episode. I have loved listening back uh, to it. Um, And so, yeah, I'll go into that in in just a moment. I wanted to say thanks again to Luana for joining us for Monday's episode. And yes, so today, Tracy is joining us. And so I connected with Tracy back, ooh, April maybe, um, towards the beginning of uh, the epidemic, which is, as I've said before, so interesting listening back and uh, how things have sort of changed and, and are changing. And I will be joining Tracy on her podcast, Engage, Educate, Empower. Uh, I think <laughs> Monday I got the Educate, Empower the wrong way around. Um, but I will be joining her on her podcast this week, and that will be due out tomorrow so if when you're listening to this if you're listening to this on Wednesday when it comes out tomorrow the 20th uh, that episode will be out and uh, I'm talking uh, about bullying in that and uh, sharing my experience of that and that's something that we sort of mentioned briefly in this episode but this episode I think is it's a great conversation about depression about going down the rabbit hole but also in particular, if you are a parent or a carer or you work with young people or you have children in your life, then it's such an important conversation. And Tracy shares how she got into working with young people uh, in that in uh, in the interview. But it's something, as I've mentioned before, as I mention quite often about having worked in education and working with young people is something I really enjoyed and something I, I still think is so important. Um, because, you know, I think as someone who's, I guess, in the mental health space, not in a sort of professional uh, capacity as like a mental health practitioner, but in my own little way as, I guess, an advocate and someone who is interested in the area and who speaks about the area and kind of coaches so in my own little way is in the area I think for a lot of adults let me backtrack slightly actually there's a really shocking statistic that I I sometimes quote that 75% of mental health illnesses mental health difficulties are established by the age of 18 so in that child and adolescent period and it's something like 50% by the age of 14 so really really large numbers of, uh, of of young people who are experiencing mental health challenges from their experiences, from not being supported, not able to kind of process and, and cope with what they're experiencing. But I think the reason that, that I'm so passionate about this area, and, and that's always a word that's thrown around a lot, isn't it? <laughs> but um is that for for adults the the issues that we're trying to unpick and the things that we're carrying with us quite often they start from childhood and so I guess my thinking is that by working with people younger um when all that stuff is being established we can maybe try and unpick some of it so that it doesn't it doesn't continue through their life and my own depression healing journey is still ongoing and probably really only started a couple of years ago around my 30s so that was 10-15 years whatever of carrying all this stuff and um yeah I just I guess if I had had some support earlier or if I'd been aware of it earlier and felt able to talk about it because that's a big thing that a lot of it actually it wasn't that I told my parents and they didn't help me it was that I didn't I kept it inside because not understanding it not not being able to process it not being able to put it into words for whatever reason it wasn't until in my 20s I sort of recognized there was an issue and had been for a little while and it wasn't then until towards the end of my 20s and uh, beginning of my 30s that I actually really (laughs) did something about it and so you know I do sometimes look at those 10-15 years and kind of think 
you know, how would life have been if I had been able to deal with all of this stuff earlier, if I'd started this process earlier, if I'd unpicked some of those negative thoughts I was carrying and that fear and that anxiety and the depression, what would life be like? And that's not to say that life isn't good, but yeah, I I just think if I, and I, I learned a lot through that time, but I guess I kind of wish that my own recovery or healing journey had started sooner. Um, yeah. So anyway, ranting. <laughs> but yeah, it, um, so we're getting all into that and talking of recovery, health, healing journeys, whatever. So I'm still recording this on Sunday. Um, but after this, I am going to go for a run. My couch to 5k first one, I'm resetting it. I'm also going to bake some bread, so probably while the bread is rising. It's like a perfect time to go out for a run. Uh, so, yeah, I guess this is, uh, to me, it reflects being in a, a fairly positive headspace because I've talked about warning signs and flags before, but I think it's about that self-awareness and recognising yourself and knowing what your thoughts and what your behaviours are communicating. So, when I just want to hibernate and I don't want to get out and go to the gym and I'm eating junk food, that to me is a sign that I'm feeling overwhelmed and that my mood is low. And so I'm kind of craving uh, that energy from sugar and fat usually. So when I have had a week in the gym and when I am thinking, I'm going to go for a run, even though it's going to be tiring and probably not the most fun, but I'm going to give it a go. And I've been eating healthy and and that kind of thing that to me says I'm in a pretty okay place at the moment and uh, if you're a regular listener you'll know how I feel about the word okay I love it (laughs) because uh, just to me is that peace and that calm just I'm okay I can handle stuff I'm just okay calm peaceful whatever Uh, so yes let's dive into this amazing conversation Um, about mental health and particularly child and adolescent mental health and if you have friends family who are parents carers work with children then please do send this episode to them because it's such an important conversation to be having it's such an important topic for us to be thinking about Um, and there's loads of great tips and advice in this episode so please do share and enjoy and I'll be back after I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest, Tracy, to the podcast. So Tracy, welcome. And if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about you, that would be great. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for asking me to be on your podcast. As a, as, a, as an expert, I guess, um, it's, it's a real honour, actually, to be on a podcast from the United Kingdom. So yes, so born in Wales, um, became a nurse. And then in 1987, I moved on my own to Canada. Um, I've been here ever since, um, moved around different places in Western Canada, always worked as a nurse in different areas, gerontology, palliative care community. And in 2015, after four and a half years of workplace bullying, I actually had a nervous breakdown or an acute depressive episode. Um, It was... uh, very difficult, very challenging. I went down into the pits of hell. I actually likened it to falling down a rabbit hole. Um, Suicide attempts, suicide ideation. And it was actually through therapy, which was very long and intense. um, My psychologist suggested that I start a blog because as a nurse, most of my friends were in healthcare. And when they would see me, they were like, you can't be depressed. You look too good. Um, and it was getting very frustrated. Also, some people would say things which were like very, very um, difficult to hear, like pray harder. You've invited Satan into your life. Oh, it must be just a mild version because you're out and about. And so he said, why don't you start a blog and just tell people what it's really like and maybe they'll have a better understanding. And of course, I started the blog and immediately I was getting comments like this needs to go into a book. You need to write a book. We didn't know this didn't even think about it until about six months later um, when after lots and lots of pleas from, from different people 
um, I connected with a lady in Quebec here in Canada and said, hey, I wrote a blog. Everyone says it should be a book. Do you want to take a look at it, see if it's book worthy? And like within a couple of hours, she came back to me and said, I've got an editor for you. You've got to write the book. And so the book was released um, April 2018. And originally, my plan was just to start traveling, talking about the book, Workplace Bullying and Depression, from an adult perspective. I'm from a nurse. And it was about three weeks after the book was published that I was invited to a school to talk to some teenagers. And it was, it was their English class. And I actually went over to talk about how I used imagery in my book. So likening my brain to an erupting volcano and things like that. And they were 15 years old and the English teacher said, they just don't get creative writing. Maybe if you read excerpts from your book, they'll understand it. Uh, and so I went over to the school and I, if you can see behind me, um, so what I have behind me are the, in the blown up versions of illustrations that I used in my book. So, uh, and if someone wants to go on the website, they're all there. And it was just um, chapters where I just used an illustration to convey what I was feeling without even needing to go into detail. And as soon as I started putting them behind me on the, the easel, the blackboard, Everything changed in the room and it got very quiet because previously they were all on their phones and I could hear whispers between one another going, that's how I feel. That's how my mom says she feels. And it really wasn't a discussion about creative writing. It was a talk for one hour about depression and suicide and self-harm and what could they do to help someone. And if they were feeling like that, who should they talk to? And... After that class, about two weeks later, they said, oh, come back. We're doing a human library, which is their version of Korea Day. Um, we'd like you to be there as a first time writer, how to write and publish a book. And you get your own table. And it was a week before the, um, this human library was held. All the students would have to sign up because there was a maximum number that could sit at your table at a time. And so I said, that would be great. So over I went, um, sat at my table, which said author. And the first group sat down at 8.30 in the morning, and these were like 30-minute sessions. And I started talking about how to write a book. And they were just looking at each other like, what's this old lady talking about, you know? And I looked at them and I said, you seem confused. Did you, you know, did you sit at my table? Um, and they said, yes. And I said, well, why did you sign up to sit at my table? And they said, you're the lady that escaped the rabbit hole. We heard about you from English class. We want, to we want you to tell us how you did it. And so began every 30 minutes for the rest of the day, anywhere from 8 to 12 kids, 11 to 15, sat down and shared with me what they were going through. Bullying, suicide, mental illness. And then even after that little discussion was over, as I was waiting for the next group to sit down, there would always be one or two lingering behind to come and talk to me privately. And at the end of the day, I had 63 teenagers confide in me, tell me everything that they were going through. And I thought, oh, it's this school. There's something wrong with this school. This cannot be reflective of what's going on. And I went home and I started doing research and all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh my God, this is the norm. And this is, this is like globally. It's not just in Canada. This is everywhere. And a doctor acquaintance said to me, have you thought this is your purpose? And I'm like, no, this kids, no. And he said, think about it. You're a complete stranger and 63 kids came and told you what was going on in their life. And he said, this is your purpose. And here I am, two years, almost two years later. Um, so yes, so now my focus is on talking about mental illness, bullying, suicide, foster care, adoption, substance abuse, anything that is, is happening to our kids around the world. And I'm, I'm kind of one of their voices because you know that when kids speak up most of the time they're shut down by adults 
you know, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you're overreacting. Um, and I thought, you know what? I'm a I'm an ex-Brit. Well, I'm always a Brit at heart, even though I don't live in Britain anymore. I got a I got a pretty loud voice. <laughs> <laughs> I I can talk about you know what's going on. I can speak up for them, and that's what I've been doing ever since. In fact, I was over in the UK last summer for two months and give a presentation at um, one of the hospitals in Somerset. I'm in Somerset. <laughs> oh, okay, small world. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, I think that on so many levels, um, I think this is just amazing what you're doing. So my background is in education. I'm a teacher and obviously mental health, mental well-being is my big interest and and having worked with young people i can definitely say it's not just that school it's it's such um, a big issue for young people trying to yes. understand their emotions understand what they're feeling and i think one of the things that's so difficult not just for children for adults as well is to put that into words and i think yes you know you've taken your experience you've put it in words so already people can read it and and kind of hear themselves in it but I think the imagery as well is so powerful as well isn't it to look at it and think that is what I'm experiencing and so I think that's possibly why it's so having such an impact for children isn't it because they can really hear it they can see it and suddenly there are words for something they've not had words for before absolutely and you know I mean um, kids, especially as they get older and with adults, there needs to be a huge trust issue. And I've spoken to so many teenagers, especially, who are so reluctant to follow through with counselling because they've said to me, but that, that counsellor has not experienced anything. Everything they've learned is from a textbook. And there's a, immediately that you don't get what I'm going through and that distrust, which is so sad. And so I think it's, I'm trying to, I mean, my philosophy is uh, engage, educate, empower. And I think the more that we can get people everywhere to understand that kids can have mental illness and that we need to be helping them because the sooner we help them, the better equipped they're going to be for later life. If not, they carry this through into their adulthood. And that comes with it a whole different set of issues. And if we start taking them seriously and help them understand what's going on, I think it also helps reduce the stigma and the shame that sadly we still have. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's interesting isn't it with with counseling um and that's sort of how i'm trying to I, I don't know adjust my career i guess in the future into that because it was the emotional support and the mental support that i always enjoyed the most as a teacher really helping helping children but there is in the sort of traditional counseling setup there is that professional separateness which is important for that safeguarding yes. but I yeah I can definitely relate to that idea that you were saying that you know well what what do you know you've just studied this in a book and, and there's something really powerful when you're sat with someone and you you kind of know they know what I'm going on about they've sort of been there and yeah definitely and I mean the catalyst for me was when I was at that school, two, two kids in particular, 15-year-old girl, absolutely gorgeous with long red hair and came up to me after one of the sessions and whispered in my ear. She wanted to know initially where to get the book from. And then I said, well, I'm actually donating a copy to the library, but you know, I have a few with me, would you like one? And as I was writing a personal message to her in the book, she whispered in my ear, I've just come home from hospital for the second time after attempting suicide. And then she lifted her sleeve and it was just nothing but marks, right? Cut in. And I just looked at her and I thought, 15 and your second suicide attempt? 
And then towards the end of the day, um, a 13 year old boy, he was, whilst we were having the discussion, he was, he had a hoodie on, he was very, very withdrawn. He was not participating, not making eye contact. And I knew something was not right, but he would not be forthcoming in anything. And then after I was getting ready for the next group, he was off to the corner and he was shuffling around and kind of very embarrassed and he came up to me and he was so nervous he was actually stammering his words and he said can I talk to you and I said of course how can I help and he immediately fell into my shoulder and started sobbing his heart out and he said I've been in the rabbit hole for seven years when will I escape and I thought he's been in this rabbit hole for six years like OMG. I actually went off and had a, a private conversation with him, but I'm like, kids are supposed to, like, they're supposed to be having a life. They're supposed to be having fun, you know, and being out with their friends. And instead, they're figuring out how to escape a rabbit hole. And uh, it just broke my heart. But the, the two of them were my motivating factors because, I mean, when I was growing up in Wales, I mean, I'm, I'm 56. So I, I was in school in the 60s, 70s. And I remember there was always maybe a child or a teenager that we knew was different or had problems, but not the intensity. It's like we're in an epidemic. And it just blows my mind. And then bullying. I mean, we've got a serious bullying issue globally. Um, I was there in Britain when the poor boy stood in front of the train on the last day of school and was killed because he'd been bullied for so many years and no one had did anything. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, we're, we're not even allowing our kids to grow up and experience a childhood. It's, it is sad. And what's scary is, what's scary is that this is our future generation. And, you know, there's so much hope and promise and not if, you know, these kids are turning into crime or gangs or drugs and alcohol or ending their life. Mm. And, you know, it's, we have to do something. Mm, absolutely. I, just shocking, isn't it? And I think isn't there's, it? there's obviously the, the bullying is, is a big thing. And I, I was bullied i've been bullied in the workplace as well so i'm you know and i very much know from myself that the impact that that had um but also i think there is so much pressure as well on oh, yes. the exams and the academic and um as well as all of the trying to figure out who they are and what they want to do with their life and and i was um i finished teaching before christmas um, but the, the term that I did teaching A-level and I'm probably in some ways not the uh, dream teacher for a school <laughs> because <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I'd say to my students, you know, it's not, the results obviously they're, they're important, but it's not the end of the world and it is not worth compromising your mental health over. There are always other options that you can reset or other routes. It's not worth that kind of uh, extreme pressure that so many young people put themselves under. No, absolutely. And I think what's happened in the past couple of years is that society has thrust upon this expectation of treating children and teenagers as adults. And we know just what they see on TV, on the internet, they're being exposed to situations and um, thick, you know, even imagery that I never saw as a child, but we expose them to, to hatred and racism and riots and poverty and natural disasters and global warming and all these, and now we have the pandemic, all these horrible things, and yet we expect them to deal with them. We're not actually sitting down and helping them address their concerns and their fears and also pointing out you know, what's appropriate and what's inappropriate behaviors. And I think that kids are struggling because we're treating them like an adult. We're not guiding them through the process. And then all of a sudden they're left floundering with, well, how do I deal with this? 
especially if they don't have a good adult role model. And I mean, parents, it's the hardest job in the world to be a parent. And unfortunately, there's some parents that are not very good out there. I mean, that's life. And I, I always keep saying, I hope that for every single kid out there, there is an adult role model that they can turn to that can offer them support and guidance because every kid needs to have someone in their corner that's going to help them and help them get through, navigate this world, which is very scary and very confusing, more so now. And instead, you know, it's like you go on social media and you're bombarded with not only horrible stuff, but fake news. And it's games that are so violent that they become desensitized. And then we have the, the, the celebrities that are reflecting a lifestyle and a body image that kids today cannot ever attain. And yet, there's, there's no counterbalance saying this is not right. This is make-believe. You will never be like that because it's photoshopped. Um, we, we seem to put everything out there, but we're not taking that step back to say, but let me explain. It's not real, you know, and on a game, when you shoot someone in real life, the person does not get up and join the game again. You know, it's, there's moral and legal repercussions. And I think that's where we've kind of gone astray. And our, our kids are guided by either what they see on computer or what their peers are telling them. And that may not be right. Mm. I absolutely agree with the, um, in many ways, treating children or expecting them to behave like adults. But I think there's also, there, there are some things where, relationships and I don't know if you remember being in relationships when you were a teenager they at the time they're so real you think they're gonna last forever and maybe yes. they won't. but things like that there's almost a sense of like well you know you don't know what love is or you don't know what this is because you're just a teenager so it's almost like this horrible double I don't know mi mismatch where they're in some ways being treated like an adult but in other ways their feelings or their emotions or what they know is being belittled because they're not an adult. Absolutely. And I think that's the, that's the biggest challenge that I've had is that adults invalidate what kids are feeling. And I, that's, I mean, the fact that kids are dating at 10 years old is actually quite scary. <laughs> I mean, but in the day, you know, in the dating world, we all, you know, as human beings, we all have an innate sense of wanting to be loved and wanting to belong. And uh, I'm not sure if you know, but I have a podcast here in, in Canada. And this is my focus is kind of having guests on. And we, we talk about the issues that are affecting kids today. And one of my guests is a mom from the United States whose 15-year-old daughter ended her life by suicide five years ago because she'd been in a two-year relationship with um, a boy. He was uh, 17. He dumped her for another girl. She came home and killed herself. And it's, I mean, how can I say it? It seems like because we are pushing these adult situations and this adult lifestyle on teenagers, um, they can't even make sense of their emotions. And so when a boyfriend or a girlfriend ends up separating, it is literally, they think their life is over. It, it's, it's sad and scary times. And I think that I, this, I'm not blaming the parents by any means. I think it goes back to when kids first start school, if we're not teaching them about things will not always go your way and you will lose friends. And when you get in a relationship, there will be arguments and they may move on and find someone else 
that there are ways of dealing with it and understanding it. And it's kind of enabling kids to build up those, not defense mechanisms, but those coping strategies. But instead, we're, t- we're feeding kids a diet of, you're entitled to everything. There is no failure. Win, win, win. Do your best, do well. That's how you get on in the world. And then when things start falling apart, we're just saying to them, oh, grow up. Oh, don't cry. Oh, you're attention seeking. Not understanding that the brains are not even fully developed until the 20s. And I think that's, we also got parents that treat their kids like their best friends. But think about it. I would hate to be a teenager today. I would absolutely hate it because who do you turn to? Who do you trust? Who is going to validate and embrace you and say, I, I know what's going on and it's really hard, but let me help you get through this. Life will get better. Instead, they, they are fed a diet of this is it. This is it. What's the point of living anymore? It's not going to get any better. And it's like, where did we go wrong? Not only as parents and as teachers, but as society, where have we, where did we go wrong that this is the, this is the way our kids now think? I don't know. But, uh, well, two things actually that I want to say that I think can be helpful if anyone, if anyone's listening as a parent or as an adult that, that people and I think the power of modeling so yes. I got asked a question when I had my my interview for the teacher I had before Christmas of what would you do if someone asked you a question that you didn't know the answer to I said I'd just say I don't know the answer because I don't know everything and that should be kind of a given that people don't know everything so it's that kind of only up and if you make a mistake as an adult saying do you know what sorry shouldn't have done that it wasn't right etc and just being genuine a bit more with emotions rather than it's like perfect I've got everything together because then children can learn if you sort of say to them this is going on or I'm a bit upset today because of this you're helping them to understand those emotions by, by sharing and presenting a more realistic view of what it's like to be an adult and I also wanted to share I've I've got um Actually, my, my cousin and, uh, and his wife, uh, their children both do sports uh, or activities and they, so they do a lot of burying them around. And, and for them, it's, it's not about the, the sport. It's about everything that you learn in that, that, yes. that uh, hard work, teamwork, you're not always successful. There are so many life skills that you can pick up about emotions and about all this stuff from sports or from art or from having a hobby and committing to it. Yeah. I know, absolutely. And I think also, I mean, it's to any parent, to any guardian, any family member or friend, when a child or a teenager opens up and says something to you about maybe what their fear is or what they're going through or how how they're feeling, they should look at that as a gift because kids very rarely open up. And when they do, it means they're having difficulty understanding or making sense out of what is going on. And so look at that as an opportunity of building on a re- an amazing relationship that you could have, but also to help them understand. Because if you just say, oh, oh you don't know what it means to feel sad or Oh, just, you know, just go and play with your friends. You'll feel better. Once you negate and invalidate their emotions and their feelings, the chances are they're not going to come to you again because you'll dismiss them. And so it's just taking that time to be on their level and say, I'm sorry you're feeling like that. Um, can Can you tell me a little bit more? Did anything happen? Is anything going on? And they may not be 100% forthcoming, but I think by opening that door, it then gives you the building blocks to continue that conversation. And that is, I mean, I call it gifts because 
not only will you help your, your child, your teenager, to become a better person and help figure things out because kids really don't want you to tell them how to do it. They want you to give them some of the tools that they can then figure out a plan that works best for them. But in return, you can learn so much from your child because they're very intuitive and insightful and they may have suggestions that you never thought of. And so it's, it's kind of more, think of it as this amazing partnership. It's teamwork and you can get so much back but as soon as you dismiss oh you know my best friend joe won't talk to me anymore he doesn't like me oh well i never liked him anyway find another friend no 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 <laughs> it's you know it's like but to but to, to your child that is pain that is hurt and you've got to explore it more because if you don't we know what happens right you just go down this slippery slope of internalizing more feelings and emotions and the next thing you know you have a catastrophe on your hands yeah and i am um, as a teacher you know one of the things that we do a lot of training on is safeguarding and if a child comes to you to disclose something and and one of the things that you're always told is that sometimes they'll almost like test the water with something oh, yes. smaller to see if you will if we'll hold it if it feels safe if you won't belittle them before they then disclose something yes. that's a bigger thing for them so if you are brushing everything off of oh well whatever then they're not going to share that that deeper stuff i agree yeah and i think also it was interesting when you said the um you know you don't know what sad is and just thinking back to at the beginning of the the episode when you were saying about your own depression and saying to people and them saying well you don't look depressed or you know i think even as adults to other adults yes belittle those things we can diminish those things and anyone could be depressed there's not a certain look that always goes with it and and I remember when I, um, it was before I experienced workplace bullying, but I was depressed. And I said to someone, I was having a day and it's the first time I'd ever phrased this, but you know, I feel quite depressed today. And, and it was someone who was quite a bit older than me. I just graduated. And she said, what have you got to be depressed about? Yep. And, and that always soured my relationship with her because I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> and I think just generally, it's worth everyone remembering just to be, I guess, a bit more considerate and compassionate to other people who don't know. And that's true. I mean, they always say, and I think this is another thing that because we've become a society of materialistic possessions and also comparison, because we want to be better than better, best, bigger, you know, faster, richer, more beautiful. And this is what we're indoctrinating into our kids. I think one of the issues is that when our kids are brought up to believe that they have to be bigger, best, best, better than anyone else, we're not allowing them to be individuals. We're not allowing them to find out who they really are and what they want to be. And I think this, this is the struggle because they're forever aiming to be something that they really cannot be. Add that into the pressure of everything else. And then when they're going through, as you said, I mean, you know, the response that your friend had, we don't understand that words damage. I call them acid into the brain, you know, and it leaves a tattoo there. And you think that it's gone, it isn't. It's there and it will come back out. And we need to be more, as you said, compassionate and kinder because even if you were so overwhelmed in your own life and then your child comes up and says, you know, mommy, I'm feeling so sad and bad today. Or your teenager comes in from, you know, from school and throws his backpack down and says, I hate that place. I'm never going back. Unless you take that opportunity of what's going on, then, as we've said before, it can build into something much more. But as adults, we're not taking the time. 
because we're so caught up in materialistic things and, com and comparison, to, as, as I mentioned earlier, to point out that just because the, the couple across the road with the two Mercedes and they go on vacation every year and their child is high school prom queen or something does not mean they have the perfect life. For all you know, he the father could be abusive. The daughter could be abused. We don't know. And I think we need to start breaking down that barrier of stop to stop making assumptions and judging people based on what you see and how you perceive their world to be. Because there are very few people out in the world that are absolutely perfect and have no problems. Period. <laughs> right? and, and you're living in a fairy tale if you actually believe that to be so. And we know just from news reports that people that were perceived to have the perfect ideal life are the ones that are so confused and not just confused, but I was going to say a swear word beginning with <laughs> F, up, um, that it would blow your mind. And they, lots of them are going through such horrors of abuse, of mistreatment, of neglect, of, they could be drug abuse. Mum and dad could be so severely mentally ill and not getting help. How do you think a child is managing in that environment? And so step back for a moment and think, what else is going on in the world? And I think that uh, this is, I think, what we're hoping with this pandemic is that we will emerge a kinder, more understanding society. I'm certainly hoping so. Um, I'm not sure yet because I think we're still in the early stages where we're seeing the not so nice people in society. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm hoping that there's valuable lessons learned here and that this time spent away from the school environment, the neighborhood gangs, the inability to actually have face-to-face -face conversations. Yes, it's challenging, but I'm hoping that maybe that time spent is going to get to know your kids and also enabling them to realize that social media and video games are not the be all and the end all of life, that there are other things and that they can survive without getting the latest haircut, the latest iPhone and things like that. That's my optimistic hope of what will come out of this. And even when it's over and people will resume what they used to do that maybe it's not that intensity and that selfishness that accompanied it i think that is my my hope yeah yeah i i hope so too that we emerge kind of more supportive um and i just uh just wanted to add something i don't know if you um if you saw this um thinking about the, the image that people present to the world and that we can look at people and sort of judge their, their life just on what they show us. In particular social media, there was a, um, an influencer and she went to Ikea, I believe, and she just pretended that she was, and I think it was to show how easy it was to do it. She just pretended she was in Bali and people <laughs> believed it and she's just in Ikea taking some pictures. But you know, if someone says, oh, I'm in Bali, here's a nice place, then you think they've got this amazing life and it could be all just made up. So I think that's really important to remember for adults as well as for children. I could talk about this all night, but <laughs> I have some set questions that I ask everyone that comes up. I'd love to hear your, your answers to these. So my first one is, what always boosts your mood? And what brings you joy in your life? What always boosts my mood and gives me joy is actually um, just seeing something in, in nature. Um, part of my healing when I was down the rabbit hole was I had to um, learn how to express gratitude. And it was through um, keeping a gratitude journal that um, now it's like second nature to me. So what would boost my mood is my internal, my inner dialogue with myself, because even with depression, you know, we still get bad days. 
but it's it's reminded myself of how far I've come and how grateful I am that I'm still here and, and the work that I'm doing. And visual imagery is just actually going outside and either feeling the sun on my face or I, I say, if it's snowing, tasting a snowflake. Or, you know, it's, it's looking at a flower or I live by the lake. And so it's the sun reflecting off the lake. It's usually, it's, it's not a materialistic. I don't go to my closet and look at my shoes and go, yes. <laughs> it's the little things, you know, it's that piece of chocolate as it melts in your mouth. And um, that's what gives me joy. And that's what lifts my spirit. And um, there's lots of people that are way more in tune with that now. But um, gratitude is a process. Absolutely. So my next question is kind of maybe related for some, some people it is, is what makes life meaningful for you? What makes life meaningful for me is what I do. It's been a hard road because when you talk about something that has so much stigma and shame, um, you get many doors slammed in your face. But when I meet someone or I get a message from someone that I don't know that shares with me how much I help them or they, you know, they watched a video because I do YouTube videos um, and it helped them have a better understanding. To me, I've made a difference because ultimately I would like to make a difference. I think we all would. And it's just knowing that. Um, that guess what i saw this i read this i thank you and and that's what that's what you know keeps me going mm, amazing so we're all about mental wellness on the podcast so my next two questions are around that so what does mental wellness mean to you and how do you look after your own mental well-being so mental wellness um I mean, it's something that we all have. Um, mental wellness, mental health, brain health. To me, mental wellness is understanding that life is not simple. Um, you can have good days. You can have not so good days. You can have really bad days. And that there's a lot of things that are out there. What mental wellness is, is I think it's the ability to understand what you can control and what you can't control. And that mental wellness is recognizing um, my own thoughts and feelings and my reactions and how I respond reflects me. Um, and so I think it's understanding that anxiety and stress and anger and fear are normal human emotions. They're not abnormal. They are normal. It's how I choose to respond to them um, is what's going to enable me to build on my mental health or my mental wellness. And then it's using the strategies, right? It's deep breathing. It's relaxation. It's distraction. It's positive self-talk. Um, it's expressing gratitude. It's self-care. Um, and it's also paying it forward, I think, Kindness. Kindness is free. A smile is free. Holding a door open is free. Helping someone, you know, pick up a drop back. Anything. I think mental wellness enables me to become a kinder, stronger, more compassionate person that then can go on and help others in the world, if, if that makes sense. Mm. It's, it's, it's being comfortable in my own skin that I have faults that I am not perfect, but I will try and do the best that I can do. And it's, it's relying on the strategies that I learned when I escaped, when I, man, when I lived in and escaped the rabbit hole. Um, Thank you for those. So the other thing we talk about a lot is mindset. Um, so are you able to describe your own mindset? I would say my own mindset is usually positive and understanding. I do have days where I can be a little judgmental and then 
it's the opportunity for me to step back and, and talk to myself and say, you don't know that for a fact. It's um, and start looking at um, the other the other side of the coin, you know, um, that there's always another opinion, um, another mindset. But I would say my mindset is not to be too hard on myself because we can become our own worst enemies. And in my book, I wrote a lot about ants in the brain, automatic negative thoughts. You get one negative thought, it soon becomes 10, it soon becomes 20, and then you've beaten yourself up and you've had the most horrible day. And I teach it an awful lot, especially in the kids, is embrace the positives. Be, be proud of what you've accomplished that day. That you, um, it's, it's integrity. It's also respect and understanding for other people. But it's give yourself a break. If someone comes back at you with a mean, nasty comment, reframe that and think what could be going on in their life that made them say that, but don't dwell on it. And that's a huge learning process. Mm -hmm. um, because as you know, even if somebody tells us nine wonderful things about us and someone comes, comes along and says one bad thing, we jump on the bad thing. And so my mindset, I think it's always evolving especially what's going on now. I mean, I've gone through that panic, that fear, that anxiety, and it's actually, it's giving yourself permission that um, there's some things out of your control, but what you can control, like the self-isolation, like the social distancing, then do that and you're playing your part and you're trying to not only protect yourself, but protect others. And Mindset, I think, is to be the person, to be the best person that you can be at any given moment and to go to bed each night and say, I, tr I tried my very best. Hmm. I think the, um, the, the nine positives, one negative thing, it's very true. And I don't know if you've seen this example of a, a teacher times tables and she did the first one wrong on purpose and the children were all laughing like, ha ha, you got it wrong. She's like, but no one's mentioned the nine correct ones that I've done. They just straight to that that negative one, and that really shows exactly the same way that our that our brain functions with that bias. It does. Yeah. 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 So on the podcast, we like to leave listeners with practical strategies, practical ideas that they can put in place in their life. So do you have a top one to three tips that you would recommend that, that people try? So I think the first one I always say is take a breath, step back and don't react, respond. I think that's, that's the first one. It's not, it's never as bad as you can ever perceive it to be. And then the second tip is ask, ask for help. Seek out someone that you can share a concern or bounce an idea off or just talk to and say, you know what, I'm just not feeling good lately and I don't know what's wrong. Find that person because that will help you in that stepping stone to the next level of recovery. And then the third one, and actually these are my words of wisdom that I always share at the end of every podcast. Mm -hmm. I always say to any adult, any parent, any family member that is listening to this right now, I want you to stop what you're doing, like turn off the TV, put down your phone, and I want you to go and find your child, child, teenager, whatever age they are. And I want you to go and I want you to either sit with them or if they're on the bed and they're kind of reading, just lie next to them, make a little bit of body contact and you know what your boundaries are with your children. So some may like a hug, others may just like a touch on the arm. And I want you to tell them how much you love them and how important they are and how happy, how grateful you are that they that you're their mum, you're their dad, that they are part of your life um, and that you will walk through the fires of hell for them. Because I think the challenge is kids today equate love with materialistic possessions, but you have to actually show love and, and tell them how important they are 
and that you'll always be there for them. Because even though your kid will probably go say, get away, what are you doing? Stop, you know, you're creeping me out, what's going on? Don't take it personally. When you walk away, there's going to be a little warm spot right there. And they may, you know, they may be talking to a friend after and they say, oh, my mom, you never guess what she did. And they go, oh, please. But they, they'll know deep down that they matter and that you're there for them. And that's what kids need to hear and understand because so many have said in their suicide notes, the world is better off without me. No one loves me. You wouldn't notice if I'm gone. Don't let your kid believe that. Even if, and you can say to them, you drive me crazy. I hate the way you dress. I don't know what's going on with your hair, but guess what? I love you to bits. Mm. That, that's all. It takes, it takes like 30 seconds out of your day, but that can do so much to opening up that communication, that trust. And you may also have stopped them doing something that would have sent them down a different path. Mm. So, that's my that's always my final parting words <laughs> well fantastic parting words so thank you for sharing those so how can people connect with you if they're, they're listening and they want to get out of your book or check out your blog or if they're interested if they're a school and they're, they're interested in talking to you about that where can people find you so the best way is actually just to go to my website www.tracymaxfield.com on it, it's how to get the book, it's my, it's my podcast, all the different podcasts I've been on, the illustrations, there's articles. I call it one-stop shopping. There's resources, <laughs> there's everything you need. Um, and then also how to connect with me on social media if they wanted to follow me. But yes, just go to the website. And if you can't remember my name, just put in rabbit hole. And I, I come up apparently. <laughs> Well, we'll also put links in the show notes so people can find you. Awesome. And uh, we always share on social media when we release new episodes, so we'll tag your social media in that as well. Perfect. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Tracy. I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you and, and hearing your story. And I think the, the biggest thing that, I, that I'm taking away from it is I've, I'm sort of moving out of being in school and working with young people and part of my coaching my mental being you know part of it is I want to work with with children still and I just feel a renewed sense of enthusiasm and kind of calling to to really focus on that area so thank you so much for that because I think it is thank you and thank you for doing that and yes follow your passion um, because kids need more people like you like us um, mm. to help them move forward yeah, absolutely. And I just thank you. really appreciate you and, and the work that, that you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. So thank you again to Tracy. It's so interesting, uh, as I said, listening back <laughs> with COVID because exams is something that we talked about. And, you know, my my advice, my usual advice about exams, not to not just stress about them it's not the end of the world it's usually when I when I give that advice it's in a way of you want to prepare you want to put the effort in so that you know you've gone into that exam room you've given it your best shot you don't want to be feeling like I wish I could have done more and then you just kind of let the chips fall how they may and if it doesn't go the way that you'd like then possibly as an alternative and at the moment that's not great advice because as we're seeing unfortunately for so many young people and and I know someone who has been in this exact situation their grades are not in any way really based on their performance yes they're informed by marks and potentially if they appeal by their teachers but an algorithm essentially is deciding where they place um, in terms of their grades and, and we're hearing some heartbreaking stories of young people who are losing their places at university because they've been downgraded a couple of places and you know when I when I give the advice normally it's it's that balancing effort but 
not at the expense of mental health. And in this situation, there's not, it's not based on people's effort for the exam and mocks. You know, I've always, as a teacher, used mocks as a trial run, particularly for young people who struggle with mental health, because it's a chance to understand, to test stuff out, to to learn how to manage that anxiety. Yes, they want to do well in their mocks, but it is like a practice run. And for that then to be the basis of their grade. And uh, I'm mindful of going off on a rant, but <laughs> basically, which I could, totally could. Basically, my point is that if you are supporting a young person, whether as a parent, as a professional, at the moment, it is a really difficult time because if their grades have not come out how they want or they've been downgraded by a couple of grades, there is a powerlessness in that situation where they didn't sit that exam and put that effort in. It's it's completely out of their hands. And you know, I can't even begin to imagine how kind of frustrating and upsetting that must be if then something that they've been working hard for basically all through their school life up to this um getting this place at university. And then suddenly that's been taken away through no fault of their own through this this algorithm. That's that's difficult. And I just um yeah, if you're supporting a young person, it is a, it's a tough time for a lot of young people. So just trying to have a bit of a compassion understanding. And as we've said in this whole episode, acknowledging how they feel. And yes, they can appeal. Yes, they could reset, which is what I normally say. <laughs> but in that situation, normally, it's because they've had a go and they're just going to try again. And in this situation, it, yeah, that powerlessness just makes it really complicated so please do if you're supporting someone validate how they're feeling however they're feeling um and you know I hope that for the GCSE results that are out tomorrow that it is a slightly better situation but I just really feel for young people at the moment and um people supporting them so yeah this advice in this episode is just so valuable for that and I guess the other thing that I wanted to say, which is something that I've sort of talked about, I think a bit on the show, but also across social media more generally, if you follow me on any of our other platforms, which you should, if you don't already, at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-G Coaching, just a little plug there, <laughs> that I, I talk about mental wellbeing coaching. And that is really important to me that because mental health, I think, is just it's just the foundation isn't it being a being healthy whether it's physically or mentally it everything else kind of builds on top of that and I think if you are feeling less than okay then it just makes everything else really difficult so it's something I always talk about but particularly as I said with with young people uh, and so I have been over the past couple of months and I think partly prompted by this conversation I had with Tracy I have been exploring and kind of building up the youth coaching youth mentoring type side of what I do so it's a sort of I guess a blend of everything the kind of academic support mentoring coaching to work with young people and I think it's a very real thing that Tracy said about sometimes young people can have this resistance to working with a therapist as we all can (laughs) not just exclusively to young people but you know that's such that can be such a kind of loaded term a therapist and what it means to see a therapist and all of that whereas seeing a coach can feel and sound quite different um and obviously I am not a qualified therapist I'm not able to to offer therapy at the moment and so I think um basically my point very waffly as always is that um it's something that I have been branching out into and also offering as um, a service offering youth coaching and support to parents so if any of uh, what we've talked about has kind of resonated and if you are a young person listening to this who is struggling or you are a parent who is concerned about your child then please do connect with me on social media because I would love to have a conversation I'd love to help and to work with you so yeah thank you again to Tracy um probably one of my favorite conversations that I've had over the past few months or or listen back to and and actually 
one yeah one of my favorite because there have been so many great conversations but this one is particularly close to my heart um working with children and young people and and I guess you know I guess it's that knowing that these young people that Tracy is talking about and um reaching out to I was I was one of them and sort of knowing what I know now or being where I am now just kind of wishing there had been more support or I'd or I'd felt more able to access it I guess my final thought is uh to mention Young Minds who are an organization I have been visiting the website of more more frequently and kind of following on social media obviously I talk about mine I talk about Samaritans a lot a couple of charities who offer amazing mental health support but Young Minds is focused specifically at young people um, and it, so it's a great place to go for information that is written and targeted to young people so top recommendation to check out as a parent but also if you're a young person or to recommend to a young person um I don't even know where young person ends now just a side thought it's one of, <laughs> some of those how old is how old is a young person I guess it's all um subjective how you feel but I could honestly talk about this topic all day so I am going to wrap up here and let you get back to your day but thank you for tuning in to both episodes this week if you have any thoughts on the two episode format please do let me know because we want to give you what you want to hear how you want to hear it that kind of thing so if you have any thoughts um, or recommendations or topics you want us to cover please do connect on social media and let me know Um, And looking ahead to September, we have got some big, big topics that we are covering in September. So it's sexual health education week. So we have a topic especially around that. Uh, It's also a suicide awareness and prevention day. So we will be talking about suicide. And it's something that has been mentioned in several episodes. But we are going to have a full episode on suicide. So Uh, If you have anything that you want to share with us around experiences of being suicidal uh, or around sexual health education, then again, reach out on social media uh, because it'd be great to, if it's, if it's appropriate to, to share kind of feedback. So if you have anything that you want to add to those discussions, then please do send us a message and that is it. So have a good week. Thank you so much for joining us and for all the support that you show to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I hope that you have a good week. Take care. Bye.